It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's going to be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Liftoff. on Thompson, steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it! He got it! Same my first rodeo. Westbrook to the basket. Turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook. House, the three and the lead. You betcha. Covington, biggest shot of the game. And he hits it. The corner, P.J. Tucker. Gordon. Gordon. time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal and that's to win a championship, so <laughs> let's get it. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that actually tastes just like a candy bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll actually get $10 off your very first order. Now, as always, I am your host, Jackson Gatlin. You can catch me on Twitter, at JT Gatlin. And of course, our show is also on Twitter, at LockedOnRockets. And if you appreciate what we do here at Locked on Rockets, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, drop us a review, leave us some stars, and above all else, share the podcast on your social media. I would sincerely appreciate it. For today's show, we will be joined by one of the brightest minds of Rockets Twitter, Mr. Karthik Prasad. KP, my man, how's it going? Good, Jackson. I'm doing good. I'm very excited that uh, we're even talking about basketball right now and you know, it being around the corner. You know, it's it's been a long time coming. I really did. There, there was a period, I think, where, where everybody who cares about the NBA and just, you know, sports at large was really thinking, is there a way for it to come back? And, and finally, we're at this point where there's hope, there's a light at the end of the tunnel that we will be getting sports back. And the way in which we get it back, we'll have to touch base on here in a little bit, you know, how these potential NBA playoffs will look, the different ideas that are being floated around. But the thing that we have to talk about right now, the thing that is at the forefront of everybody's minds, I would imagine, is this new look James Harden. The, uh, the Slim Jim is what I'm going to take to calling him. I hope that's okay. Yeah, Slim Jim in, indeed. I, I used to call him Jim Harden back in his OKC days, and now he's He's Slim Jim Harden here in Houston, and it's uh, it's pretty dramatic. Um, I'm digging it. You know, the the new look. The he he really it looks like he's dropped a solid about what 15, 20 pounds, right? Yeah, you know, I never believed that he was six five. He's listed at six five two twenty. I I am sure he was playing close to two forty, just given the strength and um, you know how he looked. And I think now he's probably back to whatever he's listed at, if not lower, which was. Just quite. I mean, that's a. If you think about six, eight weeks, um, that's a pretty big transformation. So it'll be interesting to see. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. 
Well, for those, and for those who haven't seen any of the photos yet, please take to Twitter. They're all over Rockets Twitter. And if you haven't done it yet, I highly suggest checking out Kelly Eco over at The Athletic, who has the exclusive piece about the intensive boot camp that James Harden underwent over in Arizona, what he's been working on since the hiatus kind of took place, and what he's been doing to kind of keep his body in shape, or, or I guess get in better shape than he's ever been in. Because uh, let, let's face it, right? James Harden has dealt with for years now the the fat beard man jokes and the fat Harden jokes and he just he has one of those body types that just you know I, he is probably in the top 1% or 0.5% of most you know physically gifted people on the planet and just because he's not as slim and trim looking as say a Russell Westbrook type who has like negative percent body fat on him you know that doesn't mean that he's out of shape but now with this weight loss that he has kind of gone through I'm excited because I think he's going to be a more explosive version than than what we've seen so far, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it reminds me of how he looked in his OKC days, maybe his first year here in Houston. I also think he got similarly slim if um, in when Chris Paul first got here. I think that was probably the slimmest or kind of the, the quickest I had seen him in his prime. Um, but yeah, he's going to have to, I mean... I, I think the explosion, the speed will be there. I mean, and, and trying to keep up with uh, the tempo that Russ plays with, I think was a big, big factor here. Um, but, I, I, you know, it, it will force him to play differently, especially in how he might attack the rim um, and absorb contact or not. So there's obviously a handful of pros and cons that kind of go into this body transformation for James Harden. And I think one of the first things that is definitely a con off the top of my head that I think of is will his post defense still be the same? You know, James was one of, if yeah. not the strongest guard in the league. So will he lose some of that ability to guard on the post on switches when it comes to defending bigger players? Or does, did he retain enough of the strength in his core or in his lower body to still kind of be able to use that leverage and still go against those guys? Um, but I do think that the explosiveness that we've already mentioned I think the one thing that everybody has seen that was very apparent going into the, you know, the uh, unplanned break of activities, I guess, was James just didn't look like he quite had the burst or that first step. It just wasn't as lethal as it normally was or, or what we've seen in previous seasons. And it wasn't as effective as, say, Russell Westbrook's first step, right, in this five-out spacing with the offense. So I think it'll give him a chance to yeah. – be better equipped to use the spacing and not necessarily have to rely on breaking down a defender with his dribble as much and just having that lightning quick first step. Yeah. And I, I think it's the, the quick first step. I think it's also um, his off ball movement, right? Having the conditioning and in his legs to continuously move on the court and, and find those open seams um, I think is another another big piece because he has natural instincts there and it comes down to energy and kind of willingness to, to kind of move off ball. And so that's another thing I think um, his, his new physique will help him. I mean, in general, I mean, I think one of the reasons we thought he might have lost a step um, was just the, the injuries or kind of the, the little injuries that were mounting up that he would play through. Um, and that comes to wear and tear. And, you know, carrying 235, 240 pounds – you know, for 82, 90 games over the last three, four years, that's going to add up. And I think so one huge benefit would just be lowering that wear and tear just in general. Um, and so hopefully you can stay on the court 
kind of longer and more explosively. Do you see this having, say, a negative impact on his ability to finish at the rim or at least maybe finishing through contact? Potentially. I, but, I, you know, at the same time, um, I think it'll be marginal. I mean, he's are, always been a, a good finisher. And, in fact, you know, I thought about it because he, you know, his, his strength would allow him to absorb contact. But I didn't feel like he was getting as much lift. Um, I feel like we saw him get blocked uh, more often this year than, than in, in prior. And so if he can trade off some of the contact absorption, which is getting higher, I think that will, that will help. I mean, you know, Russ is able to finish at the rim just because of how explosive he is. Um, and he still absorbs a good amount of contact. I think James will still be plenty strong to do that. And he can just kind of pick his spots more instead of trying to force the action. So, uh, you know, I think it'll kind of even out both sides, but you, you know, your point on post defense, I think is probably the, the biggest risk here, just how much the, the coaching staff trusted him to pick up those bigs. I mean, Anthony Davis can't be more than 240 pounds. And so J- <laughs> so James on a switch is able to kind of hold his ground. And so it's, it's going to be interesting now to see how those dynamics change. But um, all in all, I think it's a more, more pluses than minuses. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. And one area that I actually don't remember seeing your thoughts on this matter. So I kind of want to dive into this for a brief second is you know, a couple of the areas that I wish that James would expand his game into offensively, at least where, and this is the, the beating the old drum all over Rockets mm-hmm. Twitter is everybody's crying for more mid range. Right. And I've been there. I, I, and I'm still a proponent of, you know, wishing that he would factor in mid range a little bit. I'm not saying he's jacking up 10 mid range shots a game, but just a couple, just to, you know, kind of free himself up a little bit more. But one other element of, an offensive game plan for James Harden is, you know, we see how effective Russ can be when he's backing down smaller guards and using his size in the post. I've always wondered why James who operates as one of, or I guess used to operate as one of the biggest guards in the league, why he didn't take more advantage of his size in the post against other guards. And so I'm kind of upset because now we won't really get to see that as a possibility or, I mean, maybe we will, but you know, again, he's not, he doesn't have all that extra weight to throw around against a smaller player now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I don't think this would hold him back from doing that. I mean, if anything, yeah, I mean, he would kind of be able to finish uh, physically punish some of those smaller guards. I think now though, he can still kind of use more of his newfound quickness to kind of get around people. Um, And, you know, I, I think it'll all come down to whether he wants to be in the post. Right. And if he did, I think he'd still be plenty as effective with this just, being able to manipulate defenders and kind of get into the paint um, and shoot and even shoot over people. And, and the other thing you could say is, would he get more elevation on some of his post moves now? Um, so I, you know, if they were ever to say, Hey James, get in the post, I think he would, he would, he would still do amazingly. And so it's really going to come down to if they're making any stylistic tweaks, given that as part of a bigger plan um, of his kind of, of his boot camp. That's that's a fair that's a fair assessment. Now, the last thing I want to hit on before we move on from the new Slim Jim topic um, with with his new with with his new physique and everything. I I just I'm not sure if when we do see them playing again on a court, do we think that he's going to be actively maybe looking to get out and run more or be in transition more, or do we think he's still going to be the same methodical James Harden that we've come to know and love? Because I. I it's not that he wasn't capable of getting out in transition before, but yeah. 
I wonder if that was just a stylistic choice on his part or something that he prefers to do rather than the running and gunning that we see from Russell Westbrook. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just posted this on Twitter, but his, his on-court speed has, has steadily dipped um, over the last couple of years. And I think a lot of that is him, you know, when Chris Paul used to do it, push the tempo, or, or Russell Westbrook used to push the tempo, um, he would kind of stay back. And, and maybe some, you could argue some of that was strategic, you know, give those guards a, um, a personnel mismatch or, or have him be back on defense if needed. I, I think if, if he were to – I think if he wanted to and had the conditioning to do it, I think he would get out and run just because that's more transition opportunities to find Russ. That's more spot-up opportunities, more early shots. And I, you know D'Antoni loves the early fast-break offense. And so – I, I think that's going to be a big part is, is him getting out and running. And it reminds me of what Paul George said, you know, after his kind of first um, year or first kind of half year with Russ saying he had to kind of redo his conditioning just to find, be able to run with Russ and, and get those kind of pull up um, open opportunities uh, in transition. So, you know, it could be James ex- exploring some of those same type opportunities when he gets back. I, I would think that pushing the tempo, especially against, teams with size you think about the Lakers and would be really really advantageous um so I'm hoping that's a part of the plan when he comes back well I know that you are eager I'm eager we're all eager to see what this new look James Harden tandem with Russell Westbrook will look like uh once play resumes and we will talk about what play is going to look like when it does resume where some of the potential possibilities for how things are going to look in just one moment. But first, I want to drop in a quick word from our friends over at Built Bars. Guys, I'm telling you, these Built Bars are changing the protein bar game. Look, my my mind used to go to a dark place when I used to think protein bars, right? I used to think chalky or grimy or gritty, whatever, tough to chew, not any of that with Built Bars. Built Bars are tasty, they're soft, they're easy to chew, they're delicious. It's basically a candy bar. It's like you're able to treat yourself to a dessert while you're packing down, you know, 20 grams of protein, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, just three grams of sugar, three grams of carbs. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for losing or even maintaining weight. And it's, it's basically this delicious little treat that you get to have. Like I look forward to being able to eat one. It's not a, it's not a chore to eat one of these. They're delicious. They're awesome. And you can actually try them too. If you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll actually get $10 off your first order. So remember, use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. 
Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting now with Karthik Prasad. Now, KP, this these different potential return to play scenarios. First off, which one is your favorite out of the, this is roughly like three or four different scenarios, but which one is your favorite so far that you've uh, heard rumored? I, I like the play-in. I like the, uh, well, the play-in with the one through 16 full reseed. So that, that is like get away with the conferences, but allow some of these bubble teams to play their way in for the last slots, which I think is on the table. Um, but I, I, I kind of like that combination if it's not just cause I think it opens up the, some interesting pathways, um, deep in the playoffs for the Rockets. Okay. Now out of the, out of the play in teams, who do you think has a legitimate chance to actually make it in? Um, I think Portland's a dark horse just cause you know, they're, they're going to be healthy. Um, I think, uh, you know, Damian Lillard's probably the best best player of on those on those bubble teams, and it's going to take a while um, for some of the other teams, I think, to get going. I mean, if if Portland, if you told Damian Lillard, hey, like you guys get to play into an eighth seed, I think it would be hard to bet bet against him, and just given the experience level on that team, and the fact that they wouldn't, they'd be getting some guys back. Okay, now, so as far and I think it's hard to look at it in the sense of like, if you're looking at the, the one through 16 reseed, regardless of conferences um, one, that's, I think that's probably the most advantageous path for the Houston Rockets, because then you get slated against hang on where I had it pulled up right here. So you would have the jazz. It'd be a, the, the seventh seeded jazz against the 10th seeded Houston Rockets for the first round matchup. And then the team that you would face out of that matchup would be either the Lakers or the Nets. So let's face it, you're playing the Lakers. Yeah. But on the, you basically get all the other tough teams on the other side of the bracket, and I think that's the biggest draw from the 1 through 16 because then you put the Bucks, the Clippers, and the – who else is over there? The Celtics over on the complete other side of the bracket, which yep. is really attractive from a Rockets uh, viewpoint, right? Well, I think so. And, and um, you know, it's a choice between the Nuggets – in the, in the first round and then the, the Clippers, right, in the second round as it stands now um, versus the Jazz and the Lakers. I think just the combined improvement in odds there is a pretty huge step. And then you add in the fact that a lot, you wouldn't then ha- – even if you got past the Clippers in round two, it's not like you're playing the Lakers again. You're not doing the L.A. double dip. So, yeah, I, I mean, that full reseeding would be, would be incredible. Um, but you never know. You never know how – how things shake out just given <laughs> just given how quickly they may or may not jump into that that scenario and here's my thing with the one through 16 reseed that i find hard to imagine is there's going to be because counting down this list there's hang on there's one two three four five i mean it's what six eastern conference teams that make it in and 
the rest are all Western Conference teams, which is, that's not yeah. balanced at all, unfortunately. And that would suck, but at the same time, it's like the West has notoriously been the better conference for decades now, basically. And unfortunately, I don't really see the Eastern Conference executives and teams who are on the bubble right now wanting to go top 16 in the league because then the Eastern Conference teams that would make it into the playoffs traditionally aren't going to make it in. And I can see them having a pretty big gripe about that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I think people were saying that, you know, what, what implication does that have on the lottery? You know, because I think the biggest thing would – was then do they now have lottery odds if you're taking those teams out versus yeah it just creates a weird <laughs> dynamic of what they would want to do i think so i agree with you i agree with you if you're like sitting six in the in the east right now or seven i guess in the east like wouldn't you want to keep that earn the playoff revenue in a year that's been more financially challenging than others and then um and then be and then keep your like your predicted draft pick and take your take your shot um, versus kind of lo- losing the this season, uh, essentially maybe getting a lottery pick or not. Um, it, so I, I could see them having an issue. On the flip side, though, you know, like the one through sixteen total reseed, I think they could jump into that quicker. There may there would have to be potentially fewer kind of pre playoff games just because the um, the seedings wouldn't be as close. So I, I don't know. I think it's a uh, it's an interesting scenario, but I think you'll have kind of the top heavy West teams being like, let's do it just because of the, the way it might shake out. Huh? So I actually, I was looking at, so I was looking at this playoff bracket. Thanks to uh, where is this ringer? There we go. And I actually miscounted. So they actually, the, the way things were to shake out right now, if you did take the top 16 teams, it would be actually an even split between the conferences. So oh. maybe they wouldn't be, Incline now, but then you get we get into this whole you know issue of are they going to play any regular season games when they come back? Are they going straight into the playoffs? You know, will the games impact the seating whatsoever, depending on which format they decide to pick? And a lot of this is up in the air right now, but the one that is really interesting, and I want to get to this in just a second, and I want you to be the one to walk us through this because I am not familiar with soccer at all, is the group stage format, and we'll get to that in just one second. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we are back in here for our final segment at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Chatting with a notorious Rockets Twitterer, Karthik Prasad. So KP, please take this away and walk us through what this 
hypothetical group stage format would look like for the NBA for those of us that aren't familiar with soccer? Yeah, so you've got four groups of five teams each, um, and the teams would be split into tiers based on seeding. So you got you know the top four teams, the next four, etc. And so you you'd make four groups of five with the with teams from each tier. Um, and so you've got 20 total teams now in the playoffs instead of 16. In the group stage, each of those five teams would play each other twice. So eight total games. Um, and then there's, you know, tiebreakers just like there is in the World Cup. Um, but then, you know, you would take the, I think the top two from each, each group to then advance to kind of the final eight. Um, and so it's interesting because I think they would probably jump into this as quickly as possible and all of a sudden now your your record in those first eight games kind of gets you into that final eight um and so i think it, it would create some randomness um which would be very very interesting i see i think the appeal is that it would be really exciting especially for a team like i don't know the the grizzlies or the pelicans to have a favorable group stage play and somehow sneak their way into the last eight um, versus, you know, inevitably there's always a group of death um, in which you kind of have uh, three or four really good teams and two of them are already gone. And so I think that that's, um, that's the, the World Cup type of dynamic. Um, and at the same time, you're starting to play these elimination games, so to speak, um, cross-conference, so you get some of that dynamic. I just think that randomness is going to be hard to swallow for a lot of teams. Like imagine if you're the Lakers and – you just haven't gotten back up to speed. LeBron's still at like 80% kind of warming his way back into the season and they might drop a game or two. Right? I think that could be, I think you'll have veteran teams kind of saying no to this, but you would have the younger kind of flashier, you know, teams on the bubble saying, yeah, let's do it. Um, so that's, that's a recap overall of, of the group stage. So, and this was the first time that, again, I'm not a big soccer guy. And so I kind of had to, you know, roll through this and kind of learn it and kind of try to understand it. And, I'm interested in it from a couple different angles. The first of which is I do like the uncertainty of it, right? The fact that, you know, as I was doing some reading about it, just thinking, okay, like there could be some significant upsets, you know, if you were to pair. So yeah. like the, the hypothetical group stage that I have in front of me, right, is the, the Rockets would be in group two. And in that group, they've got the Lakers, the Heat, the Rockets, the Magic, and the Pelicans. Now, of that group, you'd probably say the Lakers and the Rockets are the best two teams, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the two teams that are going to finish with the best record out of that group. You know, you right. could have the, the Pelicans steal a couple a game or two, the Magic could steal a game or two. And so I do like the uncertainty of it, the, the, the fact that really anything can happen. And even though Daryl Morey didn't comment on this specifically, but Daryl did say something along the lines of that he believes that the, the – uncertainty of this restart of this return to action may play in favor to the Houston Rockets. And so this is something that if the NBA pulls the trigger on this and decides to really just kind of go all in and experiment with this upcoming postseason with the, uh, the COVID cup, so to speak, um, yeah. you know, I, I like this one a lot, honestly, even though it might not be as beneficial to the Rockets as say that one through 16 reseed as a basketball fan, this one intrigues me quite a bit. Yeah, and, and and the other thing about it, it's like it's well, it cuts both ways, but it, it's it's essentially a one year type of thing, right? Like, when else would you do this type of scenario? Um, you probably wouldn't do it year over year. 
However, you can use it to kind of wipe this plate, uh, this, the slate clean for next year, right. In terms of exploring different playoff scenarios. So I think there's kind of year over year type of implications here that are being considered. Like if you're an East team that has had a great sneaking into the six through eight seed, you're kind of looking at this being like, is, <laughs> does this clear the way for me, you know, for a conferenceless um, playoffs going forward forever. Um, so giving up some of that, that leverage, I think is, is, is going to be important, but you're right. Like the Rockets with small ball are built to win any given game, right? Like, cause they, they could get hot. They could, you know, kind of swarm um, and they can run all over the court. And over a seven-game series, you might imagine them getting worn down versus a bigger team. This kind of says, you know, maybe we, we do away with some of those longer series, um, those longer worn-down um, playoff series. So that, that could be another reason to believe in this. I just think the randomness is, is kind of scary if somehow we don't advance um, in group play. Like, could you imagine a bad ref, a bad ref game that would knock the Rockets out of the group stage? I think, like, I think Rockets Twitter would explode. Or in or in true Rockets fashion, say the eighth game against whoever that team would be, you know they lose on the you know a last second buzzer beater three, a la the Paul George three at the end of uh, 20, yeah, exactly. 2019. Um, something to that effect. Now here's so here's a question that I have after so after this group stage, um, how would how would the traditional draw? How would the the reseeding go from there? Or, or would you match up with? Would it be the the two from group one play each other or do you like how much further down does that go as far as that, uh, that playoff picture would look, do you know anything about that? I'm actually, I think there's a, a couple of different permutations. I don't actually know if that's been, that's been figured out. Um, and I could just be not in the loop on that. I just think that cause you, by putting teams in the tiers, I think you kind of reset things after the group stage and you might have, cause the way that I think the world cup does it is, um, I think there's a mix of like this group will then face like the brackets preset. And then it's about like how, how you finish in your group that slots you into that, that bracket essentially. Okay. Um, and that, that, that makes a little bit of sense. Cause I'm trying to get an idea for how this would look after the, the supposed group stage where, you know, you've got to qualify there. Um, right. and then what that would look like is in the terms of brackets, because then you would jump into there would, the group stage would, would essentially be the first round. And then you'd have the conference semifinals, the, the, the finals, and then the sorry, yep. conference semifinals, then the conference finals, then the actual finals. So group stage yep. takes care of round one with essentially just one extra game since it's eight games played instead of a seven game series. Yep, exactly. So I think group, two, like, you know, if you're looking at the ringers example that we would then play group three i think based on who who finishes but i it, it it is i think they have a number of different permutations they could choose from um if they went this direction because even it, even including 20 teams is already like a, a step they're adding 20 they have 20 teams going from 16 to 20 then they're doing the conferenceless groups and then they're trying to figure out how to how to they could reseed after that so it's a lot lot of different permutations here but i think you know, they'll probably stick as close to a, a World Cup type of format. And then, but, and so here's the thing is this, this NBA season has been the season where they've experimented with some other things. And the first thing that comes to mind is the, the all-star game, right? Is they, that was yeah. wildly successful. And if they were to choose to do another kind of experimental thing to generate some buzz, 
the other rumor is allowing the four best teams, which in this case would be the Bucks, Lakers, Raptors, Clippers, allowing them to draft their groups rather than randomly, you know, picking the picking the teams that go into the groups. I think that would be phenomenal from a fan standpoint. Again, I'm I'm laying down the Rockets allegiances and I'm just thinking about it from a as a fan of the NBA. I would love to see that. That would generate so much buzz and you you could start generating rivalries and like it it'd be like the whole Giannis Harden beef but on an NBA scale instead of just a Bucks Houston Rockets scale, right? Yeah, can you imagine if he, if Giannis doesn't draft the Rockets into his in his into Oh, his he group? would catch so much flack for that. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> Yeah. So there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there could be a lot of uh, a lot of different dynamics. I mean, just having those type of things is already getting people to to pay attention. And because the I think the more that things are to be determined in any given moment, I think the the better this kind of return will be. Um, just because everyone's everyone's healthy, everyone's here. Like this is going to be you know a very interesting random outcome anyway, and you might as well kind of have have fans at the edge of their seats. So I'm all for those type of things um, if they go that direction. And now are, would you, as far as this kind of goes, you know, it seems like to me, at least personally, I don't think it's really worthwhile to play any more regular season games. I don't, I don't see the need, the, the need for it, but maybe I'm just, that's my own blind opinion. Do you, do you want to see more regular season games before jumping into any type of a, a postseason format, whichever one it may become, or do you think it's just, more worthwhile for the players to just go straight into the postseason. Um, yeah, I've gone back and forth on this. I think it will depend on how much of a preseason they give the teams. If it's like, you know, everyone's in this Orlando bubble for three weeks, able to practice um, and kind of do all of their normal regimens and trainings, then the less interested I am in, in regular season games, just because, that just puts all of the onus on preparation and veteran teams then have an advantage, which we are one of those. But if it's a shortened kind of preseason and you still need a few games to get your, your conditioning up, then that's when I'm like, okay, I could use the, I could see the benefit of, you know, six to eight, six to 10 games to get things normal. I just, I, I would worry jumping into a playoff scenario without kind of an extended preseason or training camp. Um, and like, you know, just having random shooting performances. Like, I don't know. I think we started this season just extremely cold from three. Right. And a lot of the, a lot of the articles were like, well, things normalize, things normalize in terms of three point shooting over, over a high volume. And so there's a, a bit of how we play that you'd want there to be an established rhythm. And I think that could either come if the preseason or the training camp's long enough. Um, and if not, then, you know, let's, let's at least have some warm up games to see how everyone's doing. I can get behind that. And I think that's, that's more or less kind of how I feel about it too. Um, you know, if they are going to allow the players ample time to get up to speed physically, because that's, you know, we, we, we see preseason every year and think about the players that stroll into preseason, you know, out of shape or definitely, definitely didn't hit training camp as hard as they should have. And, you know, then they, they use kind of preseason to get back into NBA shape. And even then, the start of yeah. every regular season, it feels like the first eh, 10 to 15 games or so, players are still kind of getting into that rhythm, finding their way, you know, getting getting off the ground. And to expect these players to be able to jump back into what is supposed to be the highest level of competition, you know, in the sport, in, in NBA playoffs, is a little, um, 
it's a little much, I think, without yeah. the, the proper, uh, the requisite, I don't know, uh, preparation ahead of time. There we go. And, and I think, you know, we've, and we're talking a lot about preparation and conditioning and players, but I mean, the other, <laughs> the other thing we haven't talked about is just the fact that in this environment with COVID and getting the testing and all of these players into one place, there's going to be just operational things to iron out. And, you know, that doesn't even mention the fact that someone could get COVID, right? In which case, what, what would, what would you do? And I think the, the weirdness would be if you're already in the playoffs and then you have this kind of, um, then you have a player go down with COVID or, and so like having some buffer, I think is, is also what's, what's attractive to kind of say, okay, well, we're still in the regular season. Like let's actually fine tune this or, or figure out how to get players in and out of the arena safely, et cetera. So that's the other piece of this. And just from a operational standpoint, how to make sure things are smooth and predictable for the teams, I think is going to be important um, for the playoffs. Yeah. There's an operations manager somewhere that is not <laughs> looking forward to how to organize this whole thing. And um, I want to get, I wanted to give a, uh, a shout out to, to our, our man, Ben Dubose, because I thought of something that he, uh, as you were speaking, I thought of something that he had thrown on Twitter the other day and it just now like the thought escaped my mind. So <laughs> regrettably I was going to give Ben a shout out, but now I have nothing to shout out. So um, <laughs> I think, I think honestly at that point, that's where we'll just leave this thing off. <laughs> um, but uh, so with, we'll, we'll just leave it off with a phantom shout out for Ben. Um, but as always, always. Um, yeah, um, go ahead and KP, let us know where we can find all your stuff at. Yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for having me on. You can find me at on Twitter at, at Stanford KP. Um, I'm excited to get back into the, the basketball Rockets Twitter world. Um, and so gearing up for that, but appreciate your time, Jackson, and um, looking forward to, to getting this rolling. Likewise. Now, again, that was Mr. At Stanford KP. Please go follow him on Twitter if you are not already doing so. And from me and everybody else here at Locked on Rockets, thank you all so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back very, very soon right here at your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.